Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 426th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting this Christmas Eve 2019 across the world in this our ninth year from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, the center of the universe. And this is where technology meets entertainment. It's hard to believe that Christmas Day is just about seven hours away. Hanukkah's already here. This year seems to have gone so quickly. I think as you get older, maybe it just gets quicker and quicker. But this is a time of good cheer, so we've got a very positive and happy show tonight. I've got an extraordinary guest from London after the break. It really is a heartwarming and heart-wrenching story at the same time. Jenny Roberts has turned a heartbreaking story of her brother who was living rough and died two years ago yesterday and she has gone out and she is now helping the hopeless in London in a life-changing way and she's actually in 12 months taken 60 people off the streets into homes and into jobs and no no full paid staff, just volunteers It's really quite an extraordinary story, and we'll bring you that after the break. Now, during the holiday season, it's commonplace to give little gifts to colleagues, and we have a Christmas lunch at the house for 16 close friends tomorrow, and we've been buying gifts for all sorts of people along the way as a way to show our gratitude for their friendship. You know, some people go out of their way for the hairstylist, babysitter, even the, the mailman. We just had a parcel delivered for the drive, by the driver from Prime. And at this time of the year, these people work really hard from really early to late and uh, don't get the chance to do the shopping and all the things that we get to do. And it's bloody hard work running from one house to the other and dropping off parcels. And it's all for about $18 an hour. So... In an effort to relieve mail carriers and drivers from the stresses of working on overdrive for three or four weeks prior to Christmas, a lot of generous families leave snacks and small gifts along with a note, and their their kindness is starting to make waves on social media, if you follow it. So many people, including ourselves, leave a box of snacks We've got bottles of water and we've got some soda. We've got cheese crackers and uh, we put out in the morning some sandwiches alongside a sign to delivery people just saying to them, when you come past the house, just grab yourself a snack. And uh, judging by all this, the footage, security videos that are online, they're getting fantastic happy and surprised reactions from all sorts of delivery people. And what really impresses me is 
that in our experience, people come along, select a couple of items and a soda, and happily go about their pressure job, hopefully feeling a little bit better. But nobody has abused it. That's what surprised me. We've had our uh, snacks and drinks and things out for probably about a week and a half now, and no one has gamed the system. Nobody's sort of taken the whole box. Nobody's, um, you know, everybody is leaving some for the next person. I think that's fantastic. Restores my faith in humanity. And there are very, there are lots and lots of videos doing the rounds on social media that show the joy being generated across the world by delivery drivers when they get their snacks. It's good. I can look out my window, uh, which looks over the whole of the west of LA, and uh, see delivery drivers take a couple of things and, you know, cheer up, jump back in their van. And uh, a very small thing makes a very big difference. So many people are doing a similar thing and many have created their own version of the practice. Some people call the trend a delivery driver Christmas cheer box. There are even printouts that people can buy to attach to the boxes to make the process easier. And the trend has really caught on. We've just done a sort of a homemade sign saying, delivery drivers, mailman, um, help yourself to a snack and a drink. And uh, it's it's neat, but it's obviously homemade. But it doesn't seem to make any difference to the people that um, are getting a drink and a snack at the end of the day. These people work pretty hard. They're pushed hard. They don't get much time off. So um, it really does small act of kindness, and it really does go a long way. Now, one Texas mum named... Courtney DeFeo encouraged the children to think of people to whom they could spread Christmas cheer. They decided on trash collectors. And then the list extended to security guards, delivery drivers, postal workers. The more they thought about it, the more people they came up with. So they put up a poster that said, Thank you for picking up our trash. We are really grateful. They took candy canes and put little gift tags on them so their kids could walk up to a security guard or someone and say thank you and just hand it to them. That's a really nice thing to do. I mean, how much are candy canes? I was looking at them last night and you get 24 of them for two bucks or something. And um, so you make 24 people happy and it costs you practically nothing. So she posted a list on the internet of a hundred ways to create kindness, especially for strangers in the community. Now, this list can be extended to giving your bank teller a little gift or a candy bar or something. You could leave a dollar for the next stranger at the vending machine or one of my business partners goes into Starbucks and will pay the um, bill for the person in front of them. So the person in front buys a cup of coffee and a, some sort of a cake or something, and um, my mate Robert will pay the 10 bucks. And uh, people really love it. I mean, it makes a difference. It makes everybody feel better. 
You can do the same thing if you're driving the car and you're at a toll gate or maybe you're at the entrance to a national park. Simply um, pay for the person behind you. How cool is that? These things are called light em up acts and people are sharing their good deeds with the hashtag. You know, the box or basket of snacks at the doorstep, it's, it's a great gesture for those in a career that's super important and often underappreciated during the holiday season. You know, I, I think about the guys delivering for Prime. Um, I understand that um, Amazon drive their delivery people, excuse the pun, very hard and they don't get much time and they're working from early in the morning till late at night and, you know, a few gifts, little things, a snack when they're hungry, they don't have time to um, go and get it themselves or a drink when they're thirsty, makes a hell of a difference. So if you'd like to participate in doing this, now most of these companies have guidelines on what their people can expect and it depends on where you are, but let's just address the ones in the United States for a minute. United States Postal Service, that's the, the average post mailman, they're permitted to accept a gift worth $20 or less from a customer at times such as, say, Christmas or Hanukkah. However, cash and cash equivalents such as checks or gift cards that can be exchanged for cash, they're not allowed to accept those in any amounts. So you can give them a gift, but you can't give them money. Also, with the United States Postal Service, no employee can accept more than $50 worth of gifts from any one customer in any one calendar period. Well, fair enough. I don't know why they'd worry about that, but if you could give them a gift worth up to 20 bucks, sounds terrific to me. Now, with FedEx, gifts of cash or cash equivalents, such as gift cards or gift certificates, can't be accepted under any circumstances. But employees are allowed to accept a nominal gift valued at up to 75 bucks. So if, if you're a good gift buyer, I'm not, I walk around and never know what to buy anybody, but if you're a good gift buyer, a nice gift up to 75 bucks, you can give to your FedEx driver. And UPS trains its drivers to politely decline tips. However, if a customer insists, they can accept nominal gratuities. But, you know, things like baked goods, knitted items, even invitations to holiday parties. So U UPS actually lets them use their own discretion about whether to accept or decline a gift. And in general, snacks and drinks are a great gift that um, allowed under most tipping policies. So think about adding a hardworking member of the community that we take for granted on your gift list. And it's not about the size of the gift, but it's the thought that means so much. Now, do you get my uh, daily 30-second read business newsletter? We've got about 1.7 million daily subscribers. It takes 30 seconds to read. Uh, I lie. It takes about a minute and a half. 
and we talk about all sorts of subjects from Hyperloop to autonomous cars, blockchain, artificial intelligence, and a whole bunch more. So you should get it every day. It keeps you right up to date. Now, there's no newsletters now until New Year's Day when we will come back bigger, brighter, and better than ever. My guest after the break is an amazing woman I mentioned earlier. Her name's Jenny Roberts. She's an absolute inspiration, and she's motivated me and a bunch of my friends in the PR and music business to try and do what we can to help her expand her amazing program into the United States. So we'll talk with Jenny in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last nine years, coming on ten years, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the most interesting people around the world. And we talk about their initiatives And what we try to do at the bottom of it all is find out what it is that makes them tick. What is it that makes them unique? What drives them? Why do they succeed when 99% of all entrepreneurs and all startups fail? It's, um, It's Christmas Eve. So we want a really good story to take out the year. And um, this is a good story. But it's also a sad story, but it's an inspiring story. And, um, you know, here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we, we love to hear great stories and hear about people that are doing good. And I've often said about entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs that mean the most to me are the ones that give back. Anybody, having said anybody, I don't really mean anybody, but it seems that zillions of people can go out there and make a shitload of money. But actually doing something good with that money seems to be few and far between. Now today I have a sad but also a very inspiring story about an extraordinary lady named Jenny Roberts. There are far few stories about incredible people and Jenny's one of them. I have Jenny on the phone from London. Now on December the 23rd, just yesterday in 2017, She lost her brother, who was found dead sleeping rough in the West End in London. Jenny vowed his death would not be in vain, 
and has recently taken her 60th homeless person off the streets and into quality housing through her foundation Homeless Worldwide. And she's done all this in less than two years. Now, you think about the challenge that presented. You have a young lady, she's lost a brother, and she's taken 60 homeless people off the streets and into quality housing in just two years. She also unveiled a plaque on one of the on one of the buildings bearing her brother's name. So that's a fantastic way to remember your young brother. Now Jenny's engaged celebrity ambassadors, produced a music single with a host of talent in order to raise funds, and she's travelled internationally to seek sponsorship and endorsement. And Jenny's also garnered a lot of media which has helped her cause. But what she'd really like to do is in addition to growing the organisation in England. She would like to have a presence in the United States and uh, we'd like to help her with that. And along with my extremely good friend, Michael Garbett, who is a PR person extraordinaire, we're going to see what we can do to help. Now, Jenny's really very aware that this year, Upwards of 53,000 people will be living at rough just in the streets of Los Angeles. 53,000 people that don't have anywhere to live and are doing it really tough. So while the pain of losing a brother at such a poignant time of the year will never be erased, no matter what happens, that will always be a memory, she can look to the immense success in her mission to take as many people off the streets as possible and prepare them to be reintegrated into society, which of course has to be a long-term goal. Getting 53,000 people off the streets is a massive undertaking. Hi Jenny, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network. You are being heard right around the world. Hello, Bob. Thank you very much for having me. Jenny, I've got to say, I think you are extraordinary. You know, Michael's told me a lot about you and what you're doing is, it's it's really incredible when you think about it. It's, you know, that's one person every couple of weeks off the streets is really a, a hell of an achievement. So tell me a bit about growing up. Where did you come from and what sort of family background did you have and what are your recollections of you and your brother in happier times? Um, growing up, we were a very close family. So there were three brothers and a sister and um, there was quite a big age gap. My my brother was um, 12, 13 years older than me. My other brother was 14 years and I had a younger sister and I was, I was in the middle and um, I grew up in a very, very loving family. And um, as, when my brother got a bit old and he turned into an adult, he got into some difficulties and um, unfortunately got lost and um, didn't know how to get himself on the right road. And as a family, we did everything we could to help him. We took him in. We he, he returned to drugs. We tried to take him off drugs. He'd disappear for years. And then we'd look for him and sometimes we'd bump into him on the street. It could be a different part of London. He met 
this lady on the street, her name was Claire, and my brother's name was Darren, and they fell madly in love. I mean, madly in love. And so much so, they decided to do everything they could to get off the street and build a life together, which they achieved. My brother got a job. And what he did was is he stayed away from his family because he wanted to come back in his family's life and say, look, I've come off the drugs, I've got a job, I've got a dog, I've got a home, and I've got this lovely woman, and I've put my life back together. And he did all of that. And um, one day um, he came home from work and he found his partner. She was um, hadn't taken a diabetic medication mm. and fell into a coma. And um, she, would act- she was actually dead when he came home. And he tried to resuscitate her and he did everything that he could to try and resuscitate her. But he broke her ribs, um, which isn't his fault, but he was in such a panic. And he never recovered. He never got to say goodbye to her and he never recovered from it. And within weeks, he lost his home, he lost his dog, he lost his job, and he lost her. And he went to live back on the streets of London. He would have lost his confidence too. That would have been... He lost his pride. Yeah. He lost his pride and, and he felt that he'd lost everything and he just felt he was ashamed to come back to his family because he had a lot of pride. And mm. we found him sleeping near some wheelie bins, um, like some trash bins um, in central London. And, you know, he was literally black from head to toe. And we did everything. We gave him a home and he would disappear, lose his mobile. The last time I saw him was in August 2017 and he had a couple of wishes. He didn't know he was going to die, but he said to me, Jenny, I, I really, really want you to get me into a recording studio and I want to record a song. And I said to him, I promise you I will. And I looked at him and he was riddled with arthritis. He was very poorly and I just thought he's not well enough to do this now. And his other dream was to live in Spain. That was the last time I saw him. Um, and the next time I heard was when the police knocked on the door to say they'd found a body in an alleyway. And then... And he was wearing two bracelets supporting the homeless and the veterans. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a massive, huge shock. And I, I didn't cope with finding out his death very well at all. It's still very raw. I can imagine. And um, yeah, so I had, I had to do something to stop me from having any kind of breakdown. And to channel my grief into something positive and fulfill his dreams. And that was the single, which is Homeless Worldwide, He Ain't Heavy, is my brother. Mm. And um, from there, I promised that I would take as many people off the streets as I could. That, I, I knew this was a sad story, <laughs> but that's a killer. You're going to have me crying in a second. <laughs> that is one hell of a story. Now, you know, and there are so many ways that can lead people to homelessness, isn't there? There's from from losing income to divorce to being injured in some way. There's addiction. There are just so many ways that anybody, doesn't matter who you are, can go from being, you know, an average working person or whatever to being on the street. I mean, it's most most people don't have much in the way of savings, even if they've worked all their lives. So, you know, and the safety nets are very uh, inadequate. That's so, right. what what your brother went through 
that led him to um, sleeping rough. So do you think it was just pride that didn't have him come back in those last few months? Or I think he really tried. I think he really, really tried. But the saddest, the saddest part of my brother's death was after seeing two homeless people after he died. Because I still looked for him. Mm. Even after we were told he died, I didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And I didn't think it was possible. And I met two homeless people on the street, and I said to them, do you, do you know my brother? And they said, what's his name? And I said, Darren. And they said, oh, he's always singing. I said, that's him. And they said, he's, we know he's died. And they said, but I want to tell you something about your brother. They said, your brother was so unusual. They said, in the very last time before he died, he sat up till early hours of the morning, you know, begging for money and he said and when he got his money in the middle of the night and all his money that he begged for that day he said he didn't keep any for himself he gave it to all the homeless well it's I, I believe I've you know I don't I must admit I don't know very much about it um, rather than, except for the odd things I've done to sort of try to help um, but they, they develop quite a camaraderie, don't they? It's um, homeless people, and one of the issues that we have here in Los Angeles is a lot of homeless people don't want a home. They don't, you know, they they like living on the streets. They like the camaraderie, and um, there's something about it that is a, that's got a I don't know some sort of weird attraction. I understand that, and I think in every because you know I've, I've, I went on a fact-finding mission to Finland because Finland don't allow people to be homeless. Um, Norway has a very low homeless rate. Um, Gibraltar has a zero home, homeless rate. So there are countries that are doing everything right, mm. and um, Los Angeles, I suppose, and certain parts of America, they have um, the sun. Uh, and the warmth um, and, and yes. less rain than we do. Right now, it's you know it can be minus four or minus three, and it's it's rained more or less the last month, and it's absolutely freezing cold. We've had so many homeless die in yes. the last few weeks from living on the street, and it, they've also put metal spikes on bus shelters and metal spikes to stop the homeless from being able to to lie down and get some shelter. That's hard. Yeah, and that's what they've implemented in certain parts of London. And what my my biggest dream is is to, imp- you know, get a law um, called Darren's Law to make homelessness illegal, and that everybody does something, especially the governments, to tackle this. There, in this day and age, there is no excuse and absolutely no reason for anyone to be homeless if they choose to be, and they choose to live on the street, and that's where they want to be. Then that's different. But when homes are taken off people or people are suffering from mental health issues, there isn't enough support out there. And I think, and this is another reason why I really want to team up with America, because um, I really feel that we could, if we join forces together, we could really help. Yeah. Well, the Supreme Court this week in America, you may know, um, there was an application made to the Supreme Court to make living on the sidewalk illegal. And so that would force the authorities to take the homeless off the street. And the um, Supreme I Court, the P- Supreme Court said, 
No, you can't. If people want to live on the street, unless you've got somewhere to put them, they're entitled to live on the street. Um, I think the only thing that the Supreme Court said was they had to leave enough room for people to get past. Um, and so um, that doesn't put any pressure on anybody to actually do anything. You know, and I, yeah. we, we've, I was in a, a, a conference a couple of years ago when we talked about, you know, why wouldn't the government get an area, whether it be a large um, area of land and put on tiny houses and have a, 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 um, a mental health person there and have a doctor there and have maybe a library or television or movies or something and have a, a lot of um, homeless people all living in this same area so they'd still have the camaraderie but they'd have things to do and things to exercise their mind they'd get some education and and whatever and and they could do the same thing in a in a big abandoned building but the but yeah. they don't seem to think like that they i don't know no, I agree. And I, and I just think awareness is everything. I mean, I've been quite fortunate that I've had quite a lot of high-profile um, people such as lords and, um, you know, ambassadors. Um, we have Dwina Gibb and RJ Gibb, which is the wife and child of Robin Gibb from the Bee Gees. Yes. Who are ambassadors. And we have Patty Boulay, Alexander O'Neill, um, amongst many others. And they've been a great support and been a huge help Um over here in the UK and we, we want to spread awareness and be very nice to have people also helping us on the side from, from America to be able to have got a voice and who have, because that's everything. What I've realised is the reason why, you know, sometimes high profile people or celebrities can make a huge impact because when they've got fans, millions of fans following them, whether it be on social media or you know, Twitter or, you know, somewhere else on another is, yep. platform, whatever it is, um, it makes a difference and people listen. Yep. And that's how we can get a message out far and wide. Are you finding they're getting a lot more support from sort of the under 30 generation or from the older generation? It, it seems to me that it's people... A mixture, pe really. People under 30 or 35 or something seem to be much more community-minded and... Um, much more into saving people, save the planet, save the whales, you know, all the all the good things that we should be believing in. Um, are you finding that? Um, I, I found it to be a mixture, to be honest. I've actually found, um, I think, on, on a generation, you know, level, uh, age-wise, I've actually found people over the age of 35, 40 um, to... to you know, to be seem to come across the most compassionate. I'm not saying the younger generation don't or aren't, but um, we've had we've had older people. Yeah, of course, younger people have also got a hell of a lot of pressure on them to try and succeed in their own lives, and and um, they're struggling financially themselves to keep yeah. a roof over their head. They're still living with their parents. Yeah, and over here, I mean, my my son's a Googler and um, works at Google in Silicon Valley, and they work hard and long and seven days a week. I mean, they're really, you know, busting their ass just to try and survive. Now. The, yeah. This foundation is is your way of coping with the tragedy 
which was horrendous, um, and also to do good for society. So, and to leave have a legacy for your for your brother. And yes, and they're also spreading um, spreading awareness also through the power of music because we are a musical based foundation. Mm. Um, um, so you know what we want to do is try and release a record every year. We've actually only been going um, just under twelve months. It was founded in December last year. Okay. So how? Um, so. How do you go about? How have you gone about getting people off the street and getting them into employment and getting getting somewhere for them to live? What's the process? How do you decide which people to help and which people not to help? I work with um, I work with another a non profit organisation called Supporting Lives, who are fantastic. And basically, what what happens is the council sell off properties very nice properties Mm. um you know that have been mistreated over the years they sell them off quite cheap and then what happens is supporting lives come in buy these properties refurbish them throughout Mm -hmm. we spend time with the residents all the residents are crb checked because obviously when we're dealing with vulnerable people we have to make sure that check their criminal records because we can't have a paedophile for example um living in a property or we can't have somebody that's been convicted of domestic violence if we're looking after anybody that's suffered from domestic violence so we have to be very very careful and also what we do is help them get off drugs we work with the council we work with the police um, and like I said, the vetted, we do random drug tests, random ju- drug checks once a week. So we go through their rooms um, just just not to make them feel uncomfortable, but to take care of them. Yes. And I'll give the BBC News have just done a case study with one gentleman that we took off the streets and he jumped off a bridge and tried to kill himself and broke his back and both his legs um, because he never got the chance to say goodbye to his mum who was living on the street. He'd just come off the streets and then he went to knock on his mum's door and say goodbye and unfortunately she'd passed away. Mm. And that's when he tried to um, kill himself. Right. Supporting Lives and Homeless Worldwide took him in, have looked after him. He's been there for a little while now and he's the happiest he's ever been. And after the BBC News, um, you know, reported about Homeless Worldwide and, and did a case study on his name was David and he spoke to the BBC about how happy he is and... You know, he doesn't have any fears or worries. He's warm now and he can close his curtains at night time. And, you know, his life has changed. From that, two of his brothers who hadn't seen him for a long time contacted us. And now they're going to have a reunited be re- re- reunited just before Christmas. That's fantastic. Um, and spend Christmas together. So there's a lot of lots of positive outcomes from this. Well, I... I'm- I'm not quite sure of the numbers, but I know that there's 53,000 people living on the streets in LA, but I think there's something like 150,000 empty houses, apartments, office buildings that are just sitting empty, unused. Um, It would seem that while it's a little bit expensive um, to do them up and, and move people into them, it's a hell of a lot more expensive, both morally and financially, to leave people on the street. I mean, it's really, in a society like America where they've got, it, there's so much wealth here, it's criminal to have these people sleeping on the street. I mean, it's absolutely a travesty. 
We have the same. We have the same, and I can I can also speak very much so for London, where we have investors who've bought many many properties, and they might buy two each or three or four, um, and they live abroad, and those properties are left empty all year round. Yes, um, just sitting there, and then we've got people sleeping in shop doorways, um, you know, and also the drugs problem because you know. Spice is a new thing that's come out, and what it's very it cheap to buy. Spice, spice, which yeah. leaves them to be complete zombies, and um, is very, very difficult to get them off it, and to deal with the mental health issues that you know that that come with it afterwards. Mm. So wow. you know, it's it's not just a case of being homeless. There's all sorts of problems that follow on from it, and the mental health is something that we really, really are lacking over here and I can't speak for America but over here we um, have really huge shortages shortages well the, you know the government has gone through and it's not only here but in Australia and, and other places where they've closed a hell of a lot of the mental health facilities and are leaving people to their own devices or hoping to hell that the families take them in and look after them or something oh. you know the government's just totally um removed itself from any responsibility for for these things which is disgusting and the public put up with it i mean i don't know why we don't scream and yell so if you can take so many people off the street in such a short time what are you what's your what's the next five years look like in in london How, how how do you go about rehabilitate how many people homeless in london one in fifty-three. Jeez. One in fifty-three people are homeless Jesus. in London, that, and that's quite a large number. That is hideous. That's a very large number. That is an awful number. So, how many people involved in your organisation that are actually working full time on this? Everyone is a volunteer. Nobody is um, receiving any income or getting paid. Everybody's worked incredibly hard of their own free time as much as they're able to, um, you know, because outside of this, some people have part-time jobs. Some people have obviously full-time jobs. They've got children and they've pulled together and everybody helps everybody. So, you know, we have journalists that work um, for the homeless worldwide and PRs and people on radio and, we have volunteers that are fantastic going up to, um, you know, the resident, the new residents and sitting with them and spending time with them and finding out what their needs are. And then we obviously have the supporting lives, which have been absolutely amazing. They have a really, really tough job because they're, they're with them from, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, you so have, um, yeah. You, you've achieved all these things with no full-time staff, only volunteers, nobody getting paid. That is extraordinary. That really is extraordinary. You should have the Queen on the phone offering you a damehood or whatever they call it. <laughs> Hello, this is the Queen. You know. Would you like to be a dame? <laughs> I reckon you're perfect. You know, it's, um, it's, I, a, it's a funny thing. It's, um, it's amazing what grief can do to you. I mean, I've always been yeah. um, compassionate towards the homeless. I was homeless myself, twice. Oh, were you? Um, I, was, I was homeless two years ago, the same time as my brother, um, except he didn't know I was homeless and I didn't know he died. Yeah. Um, and um, I was fortunate 
enough to get back on my feet within months and um, when I just got back on my feet and I moved home that's when I was told a day I moved into my new apartment where my brother had died so I felt incredibly guilty having a roof over my head um, mm. even though I know it wasn't my fault and he he died so that's been really difficult to live with yeah um, but I'm not I haven't done this out of guilt this is just because I've always wanted to help the homeless and I think grief really does do something to, a motivator. to you inside yeah. It absolutely is. So what what are your plans, say, the next five years? Where do you see homeless worldwide go? Well, firstly, where would you like to see homeless worldwide going? I would like to continue what we're doing by taking people off the streets. I mean, we're all hard and fast workers. I, I'm not a believer in just sitting around and you know having meetings one after another and then six months later we might have actually done something yeah, I if i can physically do something now i will go out and do it now whether i have to get on a plane or i have to get on a boat or whatever i have to do i'll do absolutely everything in my power to take somebody off the street as soon as possible the one thing this foundation is lacking because i think it's had so much focus on building uh, the foundation by making awareness is sponsorship and donations and it's really the sponsorship and the donations that allows us to expand further and obviously to have these properties not just in in the uk but you know in america and other much needed countries and you know we do have different people in the states um that help with the foundation as well but we really want to expand it and that's our goal and we've got such a strong honest hard-working team that's why it's possible you have a wonderful a wonderful motivating story um so how many how many people what percentage of people living on the street really do want to get off the street and really do want help I would quite, I would say, I mean, I cannot speak for America, as I say, because, you know, every country is different, even sure. though I do a lot of reading about America and obviously especially in L.A. And, 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 you know, the rife homeless problem over there. And I was recently reading a story about Bon Jovi and the amazing things that he's done with his homeless foundation. Um, but I found... You do get beggars, you know, that do have a home. So, you know, they might get picked up in a car and they go home. And once you spend a lot of time on the streets, you spend time with homeless, you you do work out which are the genuine right. and which aren't. And we have a lot of ex-servicemen on the street. And I can tell you now that I would probably say, from the ones that I meet in London up and down the country, about 70, 75% don't want to be homeless. Right. Uh, some are accustomed to that way of life and, you know, maybe they feel that, you know, that they don't know how to change and they've just got used to it and, um, you know, that suits them. But there's many, many people that do not want to be living on the street. The rise in homelessness in children has gone up through the roof as well. So do you prioritise homeless people with children or you just... How do, how do you decide who you you will help? It's, um, we get, basically we get recommendations from either government or the council. So they'll, 
they'll have they'll say to us they'll phone up um, supporting lives and we're contacted by supporting lives for homeless worldwide and they will phone up and they will say we have this person this is their history this is you know what's happened this is how desperate the situation is can 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 we send them to you now and um, obviously and they go for a proper CRB check and you know we look into their background and everything else and and we assess it that way i mean if anybody's been convicted of you know murder yeah, well, or, right. or anything serious you know that that isn't going to happen that has to be referred somewhere else why doesn't the government get off its ass and do something that's a question i think that most people ask and um we still haven't had an answer because the UK is one of, is the sixth richest country in the world. There is absolutely no reason and no excuse whatsoever to have any homeless on the streets. If we can spend millions of pounds, if not billions of pounds, on statues up and down the country yeah. and artwork, yeah. but to me, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's pointless, but when you've got homeless people or your NHS is struggling, then it's, you know, it? it's about priority. Yeah. So I, I believe there is no excuse. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Christmas is always going to be very poignant for you, um, mm. as well as all of those, I guess, who fall victim to homelessness and the families of those people, of course, um, people that are living with a loss. Um, what's, your, what's your message out from your experience to those who may be homeless this Christmas? What? Is there a message of hope out there? I tell you, I tell you one thing that I always, when I, I have been asked this question a few times, and I think it's something that's very, very important because there are an awful lot of homeless out there that do want to be acknowledged. And I think making co eye contact with a homeless is paramount. If you're walking in the street and you're going home to a nice hot dinner or you've been at work all day or you're going to go out for some drinks with some friends and you walk, please do not ignore somebody that's sitting on the street homeless it takes a few seconds of your time even if you buy them a gift card um that you know for five dollars or five pounds that they can go and get you know some food with and you know it's not going to go and drink and you know it's not going to go on alcohol or even take them a blanket yeah. or a pillow or something of comfort it it, it costs it costs so, so little and just to give up that few minutes of your time, if you physically can't take them off the street yourself, at least provide them with some sort of comfort and, more importantly, acknowledging them. So how can... Um, Jenny, how can, how can Michael and I help you for a start? Let's start with that. I'm, I'm sitting here feeling horribly guilty for having a roof over um, my head and having a yeah. big Christmas lunch about to happen. Um, how can how can Michael and I help you? What can we do to help you? Um, I think, well, we just, we are in desperate need of um, sponsorship. As I explained, we've been going for just under a year and, um, you know, for us to continue this foundation and, and do the amazing things that everybody's been doing to help each other and take people off the streets. You know, we we do need funding, um, and also we would love America to get involved. And if there's any um, celebrities out there or anybody with, 
you know, any huge social media gathering that can spread the word and get involved with our foundation, we'd absolutely love them to. And also, you know, the public just to, like I said, acknowledge them, spend some time, talk to them, ask them how, how they are, what can they do to help them. Right. And just generally having some support. The more support we have, the better. So people like Bon Jovi and, and um, Miley Cyrus and people who do really care about this, um, are you in touch with those people? Or It's always, it's always quite difficult sometimes to... Um, it's, it, sometimes it's easy to approach and then sometimes it can be quite difficult we all come across stumbling blocks to get our message heard or for them to hear about us yeah and sometimes you know this is why i'm hoping that they do hear my message and they do get in touch and they want to be involved you know james corden is another one i would love to be involved because we're we're supported and backed by the salvation army and many of uh, james corden's family were the Salvation Army. Right. And He's so extraordinary. He what a success yeah, story he is. And what a talented mm. guy he is. Jeez. Yeah, he is incredibly talented. He's a nice person and um, he certainly understands um, the situation maybe more than most. So, um, you know, we'd love to hear from him too. Okay. Jenny, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are an extraordinary story and I really admire what you're doing. And uh, if you're listening to this show and you and Jenny's really hit a chord, certainly hit a chord with me, um, then you can find out more about Jenny and her extraordinary efforts. Go to homelessworldwide.co.uk or send me an dot email. Org. Sorry, dot org, dot org, is it? Homeless. Dot org dot UK. Homelessworldwide.org.uk. Okay, good. I got that right. Um, yes, and if um, if you want to send me an email directly about it, just send it to bob at bobpritchard.com. That is a really inspiring story for Christmas Eve. And... Uh, have a have a great Christmas as as good as you can, Jenny. I really appreciate you speaking Thank with you, me. And I wish I wish everybody else. I wish yourself a merry Christmas and everybody else who's been listening. I wish them a merry Christmas too. Thank you for taking the time today. It means a lot. It's a pleasure. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 426th. Bob Pritchard, Straight Talking, No Bullshit Business Radio Show on Voice America Business Network. And we're coming at you on Christmas Eve 2019 from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And this is the place where technology meets entertainment. It's holiday time. And so happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, 
and any other holiday that you might be celebrating at this time of the year. I went looking for stories, great stories, great Christmas stories that were about business. This is actually a business show. Um, And I found a great story about an Ace Hardware manager who really went above and beyond for his customer. This story is about a Christmas tree. And during the holiday season, I can't think of a better story to tell to illustrate an example of amazing customer service. Now, an elderly lady was visiting the Ace Hardware store in Dunedin in Florida, and she was looking at Christmas trees. The trees were lined up in front of the store, and the store manager, whose name was Jeffrey Gorwell, was helping her choose one. She spotted a tree and said, boy, I'd sure love to have that tree. And I know it would look great in my living room, but it's just too damn tall for me to decorate at my age. It's too big to carry into my apartment, and I'm not going to make my way up a ladder to decorate that tree. It's just too big, and I'm too old for that, but I would love it. Now, she was just vocalising a thought. She wasn't really asking for help. She can imagine her surprise when the manager said, oh, that's no problem at all. I'd be happy to deliver it to your home. I'll carry it in for you, and I'll even help you decorate it. She thought, you've got to be kidding. But he wasn't. Sure enough, Jeffrey delivered that tree to his customer's home. The woman had boxes of cherished mementos and ornaments to decorate the tree with. And this is the amazing part of the story. You know, that's a pretty good story so far. But it gets better. The next year, he did it again. And the year after that, he did it again. It became a tradition for nine years, nine years. This woman would come by the store, pick out the tree, and it would be delivered that evening, and then he would come around and decorate the tree. As they decorated the tree, the woman would tell stories, and Jeffrey jokes that, he had to listen to the same stories over and over and over every year. But she served him a piece of banana bread and a Diet Coke every time he came to the house. He said it was like having a new grandma. I, I just think this is such a, such a cool story. Now, this tradition finally ended when the lady passed away but she was in her 80s, and he, he knew that for the last 10 years he made her Christmases special. And he went to the funeral, and at her funeral there are only 10 people, and he was one of them. She had told all of her neighbours about Jeffrey and the special time they had together, the manager had become much, much more than the hardware store manager. He became more than a friend. To the lady, he was like family. And because he was willing to do a little something extra to take care of his customers, most of her neighbours bought Christmas trees from Ace Hardware. So... When you think about that story, a couple of thoughts come to mind. What would it be like if you treated your customer 
like he or she was one of your grandparents. You'd certainly give them a hell of a lot better service, wouldn't you? And you'd certainly go that extra mile. And you know what? It comes back over and over and over again. The more good deeds you can do for people, the more you get back. And you don't have to wait till Christmas to be an amazing person. Do it all year long. You know, I've found that in my life I try to do everything I can to help people, and uh, it really does come back. It's like a boomerang. You know, you throw it. If it come back, comes back, it's a boomerang. If it doesn't come back, it's a bloody stick. No, seriously, good deeds always come back. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is can do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. Anybody. And if you do the ordinary, you're going to be bloody boring. So bite off more than you can chew. Chew like hell and you'll never know just how amazing you can be. Now, this is Bob Pritchard and I want to wish every listener that's stuck with me this year and a few new ones that have joined a fabulous happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa or whatever you're celebrating with your family or loved ones. I'm having Christmas tomorrow with my wife, my son, 12 great friends and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you'll be with me again next Tuesday for a fabulous New Year's Eve show before we embark on what I believe will be an absolutely brilliant 2020. In the meanwhile, have a great week and continue to be successful because the alternative to success sucks. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.